0: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40
1: gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 56 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Bazai, I'm your host, and this podcast was recorded on Friday the 21st of May. So when you're listening to it, things may be a day or two older, but uh, we do really appreciate the fact that you do listen in. Each and every week, and we also appreciate the fact that if you are a new listener, we want to give you a big, warm welcome. Um, The normal format for the show is that um, uh, Chris will join me in just a second. Chris Frame is our maritime historian. He also brings the latest cruise news and tries, wherever possible, to answer a listener question. We have a big thank you to Janet in the Isle of Wight, who did send through this week's question, um, which we will answer in the the first part of our chat with Chris in just a moment or two. Um, Just a reminder, if you do have a question yourself, uh, the way that you send them through to us is via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right hand corner, there is a, a tab or a button, join the show, and that's how you send that through to us. And also, it's how you send through a cruise ship that you would like to review. Um, obviously, cruising's restarting. We've got some friends back in the UK that are currently on the first sailing for the very first ship to restart, which is, of course, on MSC. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. So, if you're on that ship or you've got a cruise booked yourself, I know uh, we've got some uh, re- expressions of interest from uh, people to uh, do. Uh, Reviews of Cunard sailings they've got on the horizon in the not too distant future, but we'll welcome reviews and uh, discussions of your experience from anybody that happens to be on a cruise wherever you are in the world, whether it be from the UK, Italy, uh, Germany, uh, Singapore, Taiwan, um, even uh, I think we've got things slowly starting to look like they're going to reappear out of the US as well. Now, just to remind you, if there's one thing that you can do for us, it is to uh, to uh, subscribe via your favorite podcast uh, directory. Whether that's you know something like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, the, the list goes on and on. Uh, but if you can leave us a review, that is the the way that people do find us. And uh, Uh, get to decide, I guess, or uh, give them an inkling as to whether they will like the podcast. And again, if you can share it with somebody, that is also greatly appreciated. But uh, I think it's about time we we headed over and invited Chris into the studio. So really hope you enjoyed today's show and uh, we look forward to any feedback that you may have. Thanks again for listening. quickly which must mean it is time to speak to our good friend maritime historian and all things cruise news chris Ray. hey Frame. baz hey, nice to be back I know, I know, wow. Lots happening this week. That says What a week it's been right, and been... That, what a week it has been in cruise news. Yes. We'll be talking about that in just a second. But before we get into that, I sent you through a list of question from Janet in the beautiful Isle oh, of Wight, the, the south coast of the UK, who um, is obviously aware of what has been happening uh, uh, kind of overnight in the UK. Well, I bet, uh, yeah, you
2: get a good view from there, wouldn't you, worlds. of the ship's um, <laughs> virtuoso setting sail and starting cruising again?
1: Yeah, which must have prompted this question because she said, obviously, we've got the restart happening Whoa. around the world at various stages, but um, how has cruising or ships been restarted previously, such as after the Great Depression, the seamen strike, SARS, et cetera? Oh, so, great question. Yeah,
2: yeah. I had to think about this one overnight because, you know, this is a, <clears throat> an unusual situation with cruising itself having been postponed around or paused around the world for, for, for such a long time. But there has been other times mm-hmm. where the passenger shipping industry had been impacted. So interestingly enough, the Great Depression made a, a huge impact on um, passengers travelling on ships to get around the world on line voyages because in the, in the 1920, late 1920s, early 1930s, you know, aircraft just weren't up to the long-distance journeys the way that they are now. So people used to travel mm-hmm. by ship and with less um, – less finance and less money available and that sort of thing people traveled less but that led to a lot of ships being laid up or sold for scrap or um you know voyages being postponed but what it did do as well is it actually allowed cruise lines to be a bit innovative and and after a while they started sending their cruise their their passenger ships rather cruising um so there was like a, a bit of a a resurgence in the number of ships that were sailing around because they were going on these pleasure voyages, which were just mm-hmm. making enough to make, um, you know, to cover, cover costs. costs. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and 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 keep the, the shipping lines afloat. Um, and so that's from a Great Depression point of view, that's the way they kind of kick-started that. But instead of doing mm-hmm. it on you know, traditional point A to point B voyages, it was actually done on cruising, which was relatively unusual at the time. Um, yeah. The other um, big one that came to my mind as well, Janet didn't mention it, but was also the, the restart after the wars. Um, not from of the course, cruise yeah. perspective, yeah, but but from a from a from a passenger ship perspective, because of course all these ships had to be refurbished um, from their wartime use. Most many of them were used as um, troop carriers and hospital ships. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> unlike today, where the ships have been waiting in a in a ready state. Um, Back then they actually had this mammoth job of um, reconverting them back into passenger ships, which meant dry docking and time at the shipyards and lots of work being done on boards bringing all the interior fittings and fixtures back on board so it was an even bigger job um, than what we're seeing with um with the reactivation of cruising um, then more recently um, you know things like with the um you know you mentioned the, the Siemens strike which was a um a big strike in the UK in the nineteen sixties. Uh, many ships were were laid up during that because they couldn't um, they couldn't operate. And um, oh. when that dispute was resolved, they kind of similar to now, they had to bring crew back on board and then slowly reactivate the ships one after another to get them out of British waters and back on their usual um, voyages. Uh, unlike mm-hmm. today where all the cruise ships most of the cruise ships have been laid up at sea, um, sort of yeah. anchored off the coast. Back then, the ports were just full of passenger liners. Some fantastic imagery mm-hmm. you can see on um, Southampton Sea um, City archives where <clears throat> there's photographs of the, the, the piers just just full of ships. You've got Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth and Oriana and ships from Shaw Seville and Union Castle ships all lined up. And in some cases, two or three are next to each other. They kind of dock them next <laughs> to each other. Um, and then with something like SARS, you know, that, that impacted um, – In here in Australia we, we noticed it because the, the virus itself didn't impact um, globally the way that COVID has, but it did impact in Asia. And what we actually saw was many of the Asian-based cruise ships actually ended up repositioning to Australia um, and mm-hmm. doing Australian seasons until the, that particular um, health crisis was was over. And so in the early 2000s, I think it was, we had, um, you know, the ships of uh, star cruisers here in, in Australian waters. Yeah. There was um, Superstar Leo and Superstar um, Virgo. They came and did um, yeah. year-long seasons here. So rather than having to restart so much, they kept them operational and moved the location, a bit like what they were doing at the beginning of COVID when when it hadn't become a pandemic yet, but, but they thought... Maybe
1: it was going to be. Let's avoid certain destinations. Yeah, so
2: they, they cancelled all those those um, world cruises up into um, you know China and Hong Kong and um, and Japan, all that sort of thing, and, and brought the ships to Australia and New Zealand. And then, of course, because COVID became what it became, um, they had to cancel all those voyages when they were in Australia. But but with SARS, they didn't have to do that, and so the ship stayed here for a while and then went back to their their original itineraries once that had cleared. So yeah, a little bit different. This is this is quite um quite unique in so much as the <laughs> whole global industry coming to a, a standstill, certainly unique from a cruising perspective because of course, when the last big um, disruptions happened, it was mainly um, line voyages that were underway. there were still cruise ships, but not to the scale that there are now. but um, but but I, I guess when you look back at history, you can see that the, the industry and passenger ships have met a lot of challenges and have have always rebounded so, um, I think that's what we're kind of yeah. seeing now, maybe with some of the stuff we're going to talk about from the from the restart.
1: Yeah, and that's, the, that's one of the big beauties and the benefits of the cruise industry. It, it, the cruise ship is a movable asset. So if there is something going on in a certain part of the world, they they can just move it to elsewhere. Yep. Um, and uh, we've got some of the, the best ships uh, operating in different parts of the world, or just about to, which we'll obviously get to in, in cruise news in just a second. But first of all, thank you to Janet there for that question. Really appreciate it. And if you've got a question yourself, you want uh, Chris to answer or myself, then send it through to us on the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and uh, in the top right-hand corner, Click on "Join the Show" and that's how you uh, send your question uh, or feedback through to us, and we'll uh, do our best to answer it in the next episode. <laughs> awesome answer, Chris. Really appreciate Thanks, that Buzz. one. But uh, we've got an amazing amount of cruise news yeah. to try and get through, so. start off with the biggest news of the week, which is the first ship to operate uh, or restart cruising out of the UK, which is, of course, all around MSC Virtuoso. Yes,
2: so exactly. Cruising has now resumed in the UK. <clears throat> ship has set sail, so when you're listening to, the, to this, she'll be on her uh, on her voyage. Um, in fact, our, our friend of the show, Emma, from Emma Cruises, is on board. Mm. Um, and,
1: Already seen some great yeah, pictures. Yeah,
2: and she was saying to me before she left that the ship's um, – uh, usual capacity is just, just shy of 6,000, but they're only having 1,000 people on this first voyage. So That's as incredible. I was saying, I think last week maybe, if you don't, you know, if you've got, you complained about the space ratio on that trip, you'll you'll, you'll never be satisfied because it <laughs> must be amazing on board. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so she set sail on the 20th of May, um, having had a, you know, very spectacular welcome to Southampton and, of course, the, the fire boats, the water spray and lots of people coming out to see her. Um, and mm-hmm. she'll be operating a, a series of three- and four-night cruises. And then in June, they're actually going to start something that's slightly longer and do seven-night trips, um, and they'll be rotating the embarkation point, points. So it's not just Southampton, mm-hmm. but you can also board the ship um, in in uh, Glasgow and, of course, uh, Liverpool as well. And yeah. Virtuosa, I mean, some of those photographs, you've probably seen it as well, um, of the yeah. interior. They had the the Union flag. um on their big sort of roof um, projector that they've got there. I don't exactly know how to describe it, but go go and search I guess it. It's like an LED yeah, screen, it's like it? a like curved a... thing, a bit like what you see in, in Vegas almost, um, in one of those hotels, you know. Um, and they've also mm. got that, we spoke about it in a previous podcast, um, the the Rob, the humanoid robotic bartender, <laughs> bartender. on board, So I'm sure there'll be some pictures of people trying to get a drink from him. And of course, I guess the benefit now is that you don't have to socially distance with a electronic bartender. <laughs> so um, yeah, maybe he'll prove his worth.
1: <laughs> I, I know he speaks about was it something ridiculous like twelve different languages, but I wonder if he understands the regional dialects of oh, the I don't UK. Know.
2: Well, I guess we'll find out. If anyone's <laughs> on board and listening, um, let us know.
1: Yeah, maybe we can see if he can speak Scouse and Mancunian and Glaswegian <laughs> and all sorts. <laughs> um, same with MSC. They've also announced this week that they've got a new ship scheduled to deploy from Germany for the, the Baltic Sea. Yeah, ship. the
2: Sea View, which is one of their seaside class, which is the newest class of ships, um, She'll be sailing hmm. um, from the 3rd of July um, and will be doing um, voyages uh, until September and there's seven nights in length. So um, that'd be great. You know, MSC's... Kind of been pioneering the restart of cruising anyway because they've been doing some things yeah. across Europe as well, and I think they're just um, they're just continuing that trend,
1: Chomping at the bit yeah. as many are to to get things back up and running. As is a brand that is very very close to your heart over in the UK, P&O UK had the naming ceremony this week for the new yes, ship. Yes,
2: Iona, their new their new ship, their their largest ship, under the command of Captain Wesley Dunlop, who's very much loved by many travelers from both P&O and and he started his career at Saga so he's known there as well Um, and he was um, captain of Britannia and before that Aurora so he's 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 definitely known within the brand Um, she was um, christened by um, Dame Irene Hayes who in the UK is Mm a um, quite well known for running a travel agency brand under her own name Mm -hmm. Um, and It was a a, a sort of a a virtual naming ceremony um, which was hosted by uh, the BBC and you could tune in and and watch it from around the world. So quite an interesting way of of doing it uh, so that people could participate without there having to be large crowds there.
1: Yeah, and I noticed they also, rather than using sparkling wine or champagne, they used uh, a UK cider for this one as well.
2: Yeah, it's a bit different. I mean, it is sparkling cider, but – you still yeah. get the fizz there, but uh, but not not the um, not the not the uh, sparkling wine, which is usually used. Um, interestingly enough, though, like although wine is the um, or, or um, sparkling wines anyway are the are the norm um, throughout history. There has been um, different types of you know different regions used and that sort of thing to try and to try and you know shake things up a little bit. Like for example, um, the queens uh, Mary and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm were actually, and Kiwitu, in fact, were actually christened using Australian sparkling. So, um, oh, and, know you that. know, interestingly enough, yeah, from, from, from Australia um, to christen them. So you wouldn't expect that with the larger ships in the UK. But so this is just, I guess, another variation of that, but using something um, a little bit different, which is, you know, I guess in, in keeping with the fact that the, that the naming ceremony was also a little bit different.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, And it did look spectacular online. And uh, yet another ship that I I would personally like to experience at some point in the the coming years. But um, closer to home, the the P&O Australian brand has also had an announcement this week. As we know, down here we have the the current cruise pause that has yet to uh, have any kind of pathway Mm. um, laid out before us. Um, But they've actually taken steps to cancel all international sailings through to the end of December and reinstate them as domestic cruises only now. I don't know whether that's um, because they have been asked to do that by a government yeah. or the authorities or whether they're just choosing to do that to try and create a pathway and an example of what they're willing to do. But um, great gesture and we'll see uh, if all things get approved that the, the voyages between 17 September and through to the uh, end of December 2021 will uh, be uh, domesticized, if that is such a word. And if you have got a booking on any of those sailings, you will be contacted by your travel agent or by p and to Australia uh, to ask if you're willing to partake in the new itinerary or whether you'd prefer to cancel and have your money. Oh, in interesting. Yeah, very, very cool. Mm. That might might be a, <laughs> maybe a hint of what's to come. Who knows? Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Now, we spoke about this next news last week because, of course, Norwegian announced the uh, the name and the design of their next ship. But it actually led to one of their, in fact, the biggest week in history ever – for Norwegian Cruise Line.
2: Yeah, so exactly. They've had their, I mean, it's with Norwegian Prima, or I mean, some people are pronouncing it Prima, but I think it's, um, it depends on, like, as you say, those um, those yeah. uh, dialects, it depends on where, you, where you're from. <laughs> um, she's obviously the, the newest ship that they're going to be offering and uh, cruising on her beginning in August of next year. But since they opened um, bookings, they've had, um, you know, the best single day of sales. Um, their best initial bookings week in the company's whole history, which is about you know, 54 years or so. Um, yeah, yep. It's a record-breaking, um, they, they're saying it's sort of like a record-breaking example of what the demand of cruise travel is. And I think we've seen this many times with many of the different lines. You and I have spoken about this heaps. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, um, their haven suites are, are high on the agenda, I think, um, they said about 20% of people who have made booking so far have booked those suites, so that's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: which is incredible,
2: yeah. Well, I suppose if you've had a few yes. years to save now with cruising being um, postponed, you yeah, can even upgrade true. a bit,
1: yeah. Yeah, I go from that uh, inside uh, well, ocean cabin up to one of the, the premium suites on board, so uh, definitely... I'm not going uh, no to say no to that. ...saving your does. <laughs> now, uh, our friends at Crystal have announced um, that Endeavour will be undertaking some new itineraries in Iceland and Norway. Yes,
2: and it sounds wonderful. I, I don't. I've never been to Iceland on a cruise ship, but definitely been to Norway a few times, and it's just mm. spectacular. Um, to way to see that part of the world um, is remarkable. But they're going to. So she's she's their newest um, expedition ship. She's twenty thousand tons, which. You know, it's small by today's standards, but historically, that's not a tiny ship. Um, yet she's <laughs> um, she's considered to be sort of their their sort of adventure ship, I suppose. Um, and you know, the design of this particular ship brings in um, a, a series of technical um, decisions that make her quite agile and manoeuvrable, easy to get in and out of um, smaller areas, which makes it perfect for going into places like the fjords. Um, so they're going to be doing 10-night um, voyages which take in Iceland and Norway, and those commence um, later this year in September. Uh, and then you can also uh, – so you can sail to from Reykjavik to Tromsø um, or I think it's vice versa, Baz, but correct me if I'm wrong, um, and take in both the, the, I suppose, natural wonders, but also some of the really lovely ports that you can come into where the ship's able to get really close to the action in, in the city and, um, and and allow you to explore this unique part of the world.
1: Yeah. I was just reading there whilst you were talking about that. Another one, they they, they sold 50% of their capacity on these uh, couple of sailings within the first 24 mm. hours. So there's definitely this ridiculous amount of pent-up demand out there for people wanting to uh, secure their next uh, dream home yeah. at sea. Fantastic. Now, this next bit of news <laughs> definitely captured my eyes. And I um I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a Disney fan as such. I'm not like a diehard Disney go-to for a theme park or anything, but this new suite that they've created is just something completely out there and I'd definitely be tempted, but I'll let you share the news.
2: Well, it's interesting because they've said that, um, that their Imagineers, which is, of course, the people who come up with all these mm-hmm. remarkable ideas across the Disney um, parks and cruise lines, have created a first, um, the first suite uh, which is called the Wish Tower Suite, which is going to be located inside the forward funnel of the ship, which is...
1: Oh, this has got to be a first, hasn't it? It's definitely a this. in
2: terms of if they actually implemented, But here's the interesting thing, and I'm not trying to <clears throat> rain on Disney's parade, but when, when QE2 was sold to Dubai in 2008, mm-hmm. the original plans for the ship's conversion included removing the funnel and replacing it with a glass funnel inside of which was a penthouse suite. Now, they never did it, but mm. I'm not sure where they got the idea from. It's probably completely unrelated, but I just <laughs> thought, I wonder if maybe they were um, trawling through archives of what had happened with ships and they saw this idea that was never realized, because it's fascinating. The Disney ships have two funnels. As far as I'm aware, the forward funnel is, is largely redundant and the aft funnel is what ventilates the, the engines, so it's kind of to make them look yeah. like ocean liners, and so you've got this fantastic piece of real estate there um, and mm-hmm. I've never heard of a, of a, of a suite in the – I mean, obviously, I've heard of um, a bar in a funnel with Royal Caribbean's um, mm-hmm. uh, Viking Crown Lounge but not a, not a suite in the funnel. So I think this, this might well be a first, Baz. Um, now, again, interestingly, looking back, looking back in history, many, many ships did have dummy funnels, fake funnels, mm-hmm. and they might have been used like in, on some of the old ocean liners. They used to have the wireless room in there. They sometimes more modern ships would hide um, radar um, inside okay. the, the, the funnel to try and make it look a bit more streamlined. But again, a suite, almost 200 meters squared, lifted up in, in the top <laughs> of the funnel. So you get kind of these sweeping views. I'm, I'm pretty sure that they claim that's a first and will be definitely something I'd be interested in, in trying out.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's check it out for sure. (laughs) Now, we've spoken a bit about shore power and cold ironing quite a Mm -hmm. bit over the last uh, 12 months or so, but uh, we have yet another port that's uh, bringing this in, which is obviously surrounded um, by uh, some of the improvements in in that port in particular, of course, the port of Southampton. Yeah, so
2: they've got a number of terminals there, and this this relates to the Mayflower terminal, which is one of the ones that people who travel on the cruise ships will be um, very used to because it's one of the the main cruise terminals there. Um, And... Mm -hmm. It will allow the ships, as we've mentioned before, to those that are capable of doing it, to to dock and then plug into shoreside power rather than using their their onboard engines for the duration of their period of time in um, in port. Um, and they're saying that it will reduce the carbon dioxide emissions by over eight hundred and sixty kilograms. Um, I guess that's because. The shoreside power is coming from more renewable or, or more green sources than than most yeah. cruise ships, which are using the crude diesel. Um, but there are other ships mm-hmm. now that are coming in, like for example, Iona, which is LNG powered. So she herself is already yeah. greener than than some of her forebears. Um, and then you've got other ships yeah. like um, say so like Queen Mary Two, which has a, a mixed power plant, so they can utilise both um, diesel or um, or gas turbines, so there, there's a number of different aspects here. But for ships that can can plug in, and if that 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 electricity source can be powered by greener alternatives, is definitely a benefit for for the environment and also for the air quality around the port.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think we've mentioned before, Southampton isn't just a cruise port. It's a a huge piece of infrastructure, which uh, has ferries and cargo ships and all all sorts of things going on down there. So uh, every little step is a great step, of course, in the the right direction. Now, heading over to Italy, where uh, the Carnival brand – sorry, the Carnival Italian brand of Costa is uh, restarting in Trieste, of all places. Yes,
2: so Costa Luminosa, she'll be sailing – well, she's actually already set sail – uh, yeah no, she's, she happened? is sailing at the moment I think everyone's focus is on the UK because it's so you, you know you know that's the first departure they've had in 14 months but um, in Italy obviously things have been kind of up and down a little bit over the last um 14 months we've spoken about other restarts in that area um mm-hmm. and and now of course m- moving further further afield with voyages um, into the Adriatic and Greece uh, and and these are uh, voyages will be available uh, until sort of later this year about November of um, 2021 that they're they're offering a total of 27 cruises um and so she's one of two um ships that have currently um resumed operations uh, but there's there's four that they're going to have back up and running by by the end of by the end of this including um luminosa smeralda uh, deliciosa and uh frenze is
1: that how you pronounce that now, that's, that's great news for Italy, of course, with the the Costa brand now. Uh, keeping with the Carnival Corporation, Carnival itself really? has uh, just announced and just selected under a huge global fanfare the godmother for the next ship.
2: So they, they've um, gone about things a little bit differently here. They've partnered with Miss Universe and with um, an estimated 500 million people um, tuning in around the world. <laughs> <laughs> they have um, named Miss Dominican Republic to be their... Um, new godmother for mardi gras and given her the spirit of carnival award um, which they say embodies the company's values of fun friendship diversity and inclusion so you know that's something i don't think that's that's ever um, ever happened before and to to bring that you know we spoke about the the background between um, christening ships and godmothers yeah. and, um, and madrina's, madrinas and that sort and- of thing yeah. recently because a lot of people hear about it but don't know but i think with an audience of Um, 500 million people like that that awareness of what it means and why it's significant is probably a lot more um, widely spread now so that's quite cool from carnival and mardi gras will be a very interesting very interesting new ship again that lng class the big new ships from carnival corporation she'll definitely be a game changer
1: yeah, for sure. Um, now we had some uh, not quite as positive mm. news um, from Royal Caribbean this week. With uh, well, we spoke about it quite a couple of weeks ago about the, the restart and the, the newest of the Royal Caribbean ships heading to Israel. But obviously, there are things happening in that part of the world which probably don't make sense to have your newest ship yeah um, around that area. So they did make a decision this week. Tell us more.
2: Yeah, so obviously the Seas was going to do its um, its Israeli voyages. We'd spoken about it quite quite a bit because it was. Um, for for local um, citizens only, and they had to be vaccinated, and the ship itself had been vaccinated, and so that was another region that was going to restart. But you know, you you don't have to go too far away from the news headlines to know that things in the, the region haven't been very stable um, the last um, few few weeks. Um, actually, this morning I saw on the news that there has been a ceasefire, so that is obviously very oh, um, positive for the you know for the people who are who are there. But of course, um, it's just not safe. Um, to to bring a cruise ship into that sort of scenario, so yeah, R- RCI has um has cancelled the Odyssey's Israel um, voyages.
1: Now heading uh, back to Europe, we have had two cruise lines, or sorry, two river cruise Ooh. lines, announce that they intend to to restart cruising from from June and July. Let's hear about yeah, first. Yeah, so
2: Arosa is going to be re- resuming again um, in June, um, and it's it's basically con- coincides with the ongoing uptake of the vaccination rollouts um, and also, you know, the various testing methods that have improved since they they, they first sort of put their toe back in the water last year. Um, and they're planning to resume cruising in across the, the, the German waterways uh, in mid-June and then uh, in France by the end of June, um, which will be, you know, Great, because I think there's a lot of demand for river cruising at the moment. I've noticed a lot of people are talking about it and searching for it and it's quite popular and the trends on YouTube and that sort of thing, so that's great. And then the other one, Baz, is Viking, uh, which we've spoken yeah. about a lot because of their um, ocean cruising developments, but they're also a renowned mm-hmm. river cruising operation, and they too will be starting, um, restarting their operations um, from July um, with itineraries across France, um, Germany, and Portugal, Um, and they're offering the voyages only for people who are vaccinated, Um, and they've kind of put this whole offering together under a thing called the Welcome Back Collection, which is um, a series of voyages, eight-day trips from various ports, Um, and then um, in France, a 15-day voyage as well. So some different opportunities there for people um, in in the local region to experience those two brands.
1: Yeah, and that uh, the Viking announcement is also around the um, the announcement that the European has agreed to reopen its border to vaccinated Americans. And, of course, uh, Viking does attract Ooh. people from all over the world but does imp- is a particularly strong brand for the North American market. And uh, in some similar news for Viking, uh, they also had a, a ceremony in the U.K. this week and uh, are preparing to restart also for the ocean side. Yes, we have
2: spoken about how um – the famed British broadcaster Anne Diamond was going to be the the godmother mm-hmm. of Viking Venus, um, and that is a, a 930 passenger new ship that's fresh into the Viking fleet, and so she was she was named in the English Channel, which is again a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. And from from tomorrow, when we record this, but from Saturday, when you're listening to this, um, uh, Saturday it would be Saturday the 22nd. Uh, she'll be sailing from Portsmouth um, on the first of her her voyages, which will be, you know, around England um, trips, um, taking mm-hmm. in uh, various different places, including Liverpool and Portland.
1: Of course. And that sailing was one of those that was spoken about in previous episodes has been one of the, the fastest selling, mm-hmm. of course, when uh, I think Viking were one of yeah. the first to to get their deployments out. Um we're going to head to Alaska now, and we're probably going to head back there towards the end of the show as well, because there's been some more recent developments with Alaska. Oh, Alaska's just um, yeah. Earlier so this week, about Alaska. <laughs> Lindblad uh, announced earlier this week that they were going to prepare to reactivate two additional ships um, for the Alaska season for this summer, as we speak, 2021. Yes, yeah, so
2: with Alaska, right? Because most ships that are internationally flagged, well, most of the cruise ships are internationally flagged, um, not flagged in America, they have to stop at a, an international port in order to sail between two domestic US ports. However, mm-hmm. um, these National Geographic ships, the Seabird and the Sea Lion, are US-flagged ships. So they're able mm-hmm. to um, to do these voyages uh, into Alaska. So they're going to have each – one, each one carries about 62 people. Um, and they're going to – uh, have thirteen different trips on these ships um, into into Alaska, which I think is going to be a very welcome um, thing for many of the people who who rely on cruise ship traffic, because Canada's border is remaining closed to cruise ship traffic, so far as I'm aware, um, for the yep. foreseeable future. And so, of course, domestic cruises to, to Alaska have been have been sort of, um, I guess. Impacted quite heavily, although with some of the information that you you sent me just before the um, this recording about some of the other cruise lines and their plans in Alaska, I'm wondering if maybe there might be some movement happening there. But but we'll, I mean, should we talk about that now?
1: Yeah, let's get into it. So the yeah, so the US government are actually currently um, trying to form some sort of legislation, I guess, Mm. for a better word around not um, removing this requirement to go to an international port, but temporarily um kind of ignoring yeah. that requirement and uh, that will allow the the big international ships to go to and literally just this morning mm. uh, prior to recording this podcast carnival corporation announced that uh, three of their brands were literally uh they're literally scrambling to put their itineraries together now but they, they are ready and willing to get to alaska as soon as that tick is given so which are the three brands so it's carnival
2: about? itself princess and mm-hmm. um holland america um uh, which of course i mean holland america is um is very much um, sort of synonymous with Alaskan voyages. They have um, you've you spoken about this on the podcast before, but they have grandfather rights to many of the the most um, sort of famed areas in there. Princess is also very um, very well known in in Alaska, um, and then also Baz. Um, I did see uh, as well that even though it's not until twenty twenty three, Seaborn's also. Um, put their flag in alaska for 2023 with longer voyages as well so i think you know it shows that there's an initial demand but also long term i think people have have obviously been missing those those voyages which gives the cruise lines the the um i guess the reassurance to sort of plan ahead and go well we'll make we'll make a big alaskan season for 2023 as well
1: yeah yeah no, that's that that's true and if people haven't been to alaska highly recommended it. it's a uh... A place that is just so beautiful, so pristine, and there's more wildlife in Alaska than there is anywhere else in, in North America. So, your chances of seeing you know, anything from whales to bald eagles yeah. to bears to salmon, like you know, the list just goes on and on and on. So, uh, do try and get up there. But if you are able to uh, to get to North America this year, just to give you a heads up, um, for the Princess brand, they're going to be starting on 25 uh, July through to uh, about the 26th of September. And it'll be uh, Majestic Princess, of course, one of the medallion ships which will be operating taking in Glacier Bay, Juno, Skegway, and Ketchikan. For Holland America, they've got seven night itineraries also out of Seattle on board the new Amsterdam, Um, going to similar ports, of course, but also popping into places like Icy Strait Point. Um, And as you said, they've got more passes into Glacier Bay, so a great opportunity for sightseeing there. Those ships depart 24 July through for 11 departures, actually ending in 2 October, which is quite late for Alaska. Um, And then for Carnival, we've got uh, out of Seattle, we've got Carnival Miracle. Um, She'll be setting sail on 27 July with a weekly departure right through to 14 September. And again, those three iconic ports of Juneau, Kachikan and Skagway with lots of scenic cruising uh, thrown into the mix as well. And uh, Carnival also trying to get other things happening elsewhere in Florida and Texas, which we touched on last week. But that kind of gives you an idea of uh, what's available if you are willing and able to get up to Alaska for this 2021 season. Yeah, and then
2: for 2023, Seabourn's got the Odyssey heading to um, Alaska. They've got 18 sailings between May and October. Um, And they've also said that um, on on the other side of uh, the continent, the Seabourn Quest will be doing six voyages uh, along the coasts of Canada and New England. Um, between August mm, and nice. November. So, you know, back to Janet's original question about um, the restart. One of the things that we saw during the historic restarts is that cruise passenger ship operators thought how to do things a little bit differently, and we're kind of seeing that now with um, mm-hmm. many of these brands looking at different ways. Maybe, maybe even having, as you say, the American authorities um, allowing them to circ- circumnavigate the, the Jones Act for a little while, which has never happened, as far as I'm aware, before. Yeah. Um, to get things started up again, so very interesting times.
1: But it it is, and it's so important to the. I mean, it's a little bit like the Kimberley for us here. But a, a, you know, a port like Skagway. Ninety seven percent of the revenue to all of the community that live there year round is generated by a cruise ship visit. So. To not have a ship visiting for close to two years, oh. almost, you know, is a huge financial impact to regional communities. So it is very important yeah. to, to get. You've ship also got to think about
2: into- the crew as well. Like you think, all these cruise ships that are sitting, and it's, it links into our next conversation actually, because you'll hear mm, some yeah. of the, um, you'll hear some of the numbers of crew that are currently on board the ships, and it might might surprise you, um, uh, but. The number of crew that usually operate these ships, you know, sometimes op- sometimes goes up into the thousands, and for you know now fourteen months or so, many of these people haven't had haven't had work. So I, I wonder mm-hmm. um, how hard it is to to re- I mean, that's why it takes such a long time to get a cruise ship up and running again, is because recruiting them, they'll have to re-employ everybody and then train them up, and you know, twelve months away from sea mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So it's a huge operation, but it's also got that. Um, the 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 knock-on effect to the economy and to people's livelihoods not just in the ports but also the people who work on board
1: yeah no exactly and uh as you say there's we've got some numbers coming up in this next bit of news where Holland America has basically commenced the vaccination of its oh. crew on ships that are preparing to restart and uh yeah the the, the, the numbers are, are out there a little bit so let's start off with the comments yes down. so she she's had
2: her She was the, the first um they using the um First dose of the Pfizer vaccine, um, whilst alongside in the port of San Diego. But it's the people who are, people who are on board the ship. So 118 <laughs> crew who came ashore mm-hmm. to be vaccinated. Now, if you've been on any of the um, ships of this class, you'll know that they're, they're big ships. They they would usually have you know 800 900 crew. So that's the 118 mm-hmm. people who are who are keeping her operational until she starts cruising again. Of course, it would be reasonable to to assume that as those people, more people come on board, then they would also go through the similar process. Um, But it just gives you an idea like how empty these ships must be. Like for example, Nordam um, yesterday, twentieth of May, um, uh, she had one hundred and seventy nine crew on board who were vaccinated, and then um, a few more on New Amsterdam, two hundred and thirty one. Um, but, mm-hmm. again, like when you think about the scale of the usual crew, it must be a very sort of strange experience to be on, a very yeah, eerie, on these cruise ships. That on have a got. Cruise <laughs> and I actually, my, my, one of my most popular videos is who's on board the um, the empty, in quotation marks, cruise ships, because obviously they're not, they're not fully empty. But um, to hear yep. um, about, you know, what um, what it's like to, to to be on board and what activities are happening on board, it, it is actually quite an interesting experience for those people who are there because they've they've got these huge ships that usually have thousands of people on on them some sections are mothballed they have to do security checks they have to do fire checks they have to do toilet flushing checks um, all sorts of other things it's very random so um, i won't go into it too much now but if you do want to check it out it's on my youtube channel
1: i guess even the um the enrichment for one for better words you know obviously crew quite often get it to interact with guests mm. and they also have things on board to you know to keep them motivated for the long times at sea. you know these ships are not going into any ports very often yeah. they're literally going in for for provisions occasionally so then they're not really getting to interact with anybody other than the hundred or so mm. people that are on board so keeping spirits high must be a bit of a challenge at times yeah well. i
2: think it's um you know it's a combination of that uh for people who have been to sea they might they might think of it more like their earlier days on the container ships or whatever as they're working their way up but um, it's it's interesting the people who are there it's not just maintenance and engineers but they've also got chefs to feed the um, people who are on board they've got um, they've got uh, laundry laundry people and uh, cleaners and all that sort of stuff who, who who this would be a very unusual experience for if you're used to doing cabin services for for different guests and changing every week and meeting new people and then you're you're on the ship and you're kind of a bit isolated it would be very very different
1: now we've got some last news here from uh, the aida brand which is the german brand for, for carnival corporation um they've just announced the winter so we're talking northern yep. hemisphere winter here of course deployment for 21 22 on board aida cosma and aida yes Nova. so they're,
2: they're two um lng ships again of a similar class to um, Iona and a similar class to Mardi Gras, although they've been completely aida <laughs> with um, <clears throat> their own unique appearance and <clears throat> a slightly modified bow as well because the Aida ships have the straight bow where the um, uh, where the, the Carnival and uh, P&O ships have the have the more traditional cruise ship um, pointed bow um, mm-hmm. but yes, yeah, so Aida Cosmo will be doing seven-day cruises around the Canaries um, and prior to that, they'll be doing one sort of unique voyage across Christmas and New Year, um, departing on the 22nd of of December from Hamburg to Grand Canaria. So that's sort of their uh, repositioning voyage, I suppose. But it will allow you an opportunity to to have that experience at sea over Christmas. Um, And then, of course, um, Aida Nova will be doing voyages much further afield in the Arabian Gulf. Um, departing from November of 2021 and she'll be doing her own positioning voyage um, across there so a nice long um, trip to to the, the region that she'll be sailing in and then she'll be doing um, those voyages as part of her ongoing schedule
1: Yeah because I mean for an Australian we don't really consider the Arabian Gulf as a, a cruise destination as such because we don't consider it as a holiday destination, it's more of a stopover going to, mm. to elsewhere. But for the Europeans, particularly in the northern winter, it's a massively yeah. popular destination. I mean, Dubai
2: so, was getting more and more um, popular as a, as a cruise destination. We've, we've also spoken about yeah. Saudi Arabia trying to get into the cruise market. Um, I know one of the reasons why um, everybody was so excited about the Two Hotel opening up in the port of Dubai is because you could stay on the ship before you got on the cruise ship. Um, and mm-hmm. um, even now, I, I do see on Instagram some pictures from – because Two Hotel is open – the cruising is obviously still largely suspended, but some yeah. of the cruise ships that are based in that region are still pulling in every now and then to do their repositioning and stuff. So, uh, re, um, re-provisioning, I should say, of food and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and crew changes and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a growing market, and um, I think we'll see that uh, that growth continue when when all this uh, cruise interruption is over.
1: <laughs> and finally, in the news segment this week, obviously we've spoken about the the restart in the UK and Italy and things, but we're now getting individual ports and individual countries putting their hands up and saying, we want you back. Please bring the ships. We, uh, we want to see the crew. We want to see the guests. We want the the money that you guys yeah. bring to us. So who's putting their hand well, up we've first? Got
2: Barcelona in Spain. We've got Malta. There's ports in Portugal. Um, obviously, we've also seen some of the ones that have reopened, such as the UK with those restrictions and, um, uh, and, and many, most of the cruise ships, obviously, all the cruise ships are for um, in the UK market, for example, are for British residents only, and most of them are vaccinations only. So there's a few asterisks that come with it, but much more sort of willingness to to work with cruise lines across a number of different ports. Of course, locally we've had Singapore doing this for ages. We've had Taiwan um, doing this in 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 the, in the Asia Pacific region for 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 quite a while now. So it's not um, not the first time, but it is more widely spread now.
1: And if you uh, if you want to help out uh, getting uh, the Australian authorities uh, listening or considering the the options, then uh, there was a link in last week's uh, show notes for you to be able to write to your local ministers. I will put the the link in the show notes again this week, just in case anybody didn't do it and wants to to get behind the uh, the plight of trying to get people to notice that cruise ships bring an awful lot of money to to regional communities here in in Australia. Chris, that's all we've got time for in cruise news of this week. But uh, you've always got a video, and I know what you're putting out this week, so share it with yeah, us. Yeah, so this
2: week we've got out where you can and can't cruise in 2021. Oh, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. basically it's just a a, a very um, sort of fast-paced look at all the different places from – why you can cruise in the UK to why you can't at the moment in America. But, of course, there's some asterisks next to that after our conversation today <laughs> um, and what's <laughs> happening in Australia, New Zealand, uh, throughout Singapore, that sort of thing. If you just want a bit of a roundup, um, it's five, five and a half minutes of, of your life and you should have a pretty good idea as to what's going on around the world at the
1: end of that. Brilliant. Of course, the, the link to Chris's page is always in the show notes, but just remind us what that yes uh, Yeah, so it's youtube.com slash chrisframeofficial. Awesome. Um, I don't think I've got any more listener questions to share with you just now, but if they come through in the week, I'll uh, send them over to you and we can consider them for, for cruise news or, or listener questions, of course. But, uh, Chris, always a pleasure to have you, mate. It's uh, Friday once again, and it'll be Friday very, very soon. Thanks too. so much. Take care, Beth. Hello, it's me again. Just a quick reminder – um, if you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me A Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends uh, a coffee in the coffee shop, very, very similar. Although you're not physically buying me your a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you are then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode thanks in advance
0: that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time bon voyage